And welcome back to the Big Kickoff and Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Uh, joining me in the show this morning is League of Ireland manager and ex-player Martin Russell. Martin, welcome to the Big Kickoff. Yeah, yeah, you had me uh, sweating there for a while because I didn't know where you were. Uh, listen, first of all, I think what we'll do is we'll talk about, um, I suppose, where you started in mm. football. You played uh, your youth football with Belvedere. That's right. For me, a lot of football would have probably started... You know, as a kid, on the, mainly on the streets of Finglas, uh, with the mates, and what happened out there was we managed to have a, a visit from Belvedere Youth Club, and um, we played a, a, a match against them, and I was asked to go down there and play, and that took me down to Fairview Park, yeah. so from the age of eight up to the time that I went to the UK, the football would have been either in Fairview and, you know, I was on the streets with the mates. Yeah, yeah, and... Um Youth football, how, how, how long did you play youth football for? Up to what age? Oh, yeah, from, from, from eighth. When I think back now, it was from eighth. These were days really that was um, uh, the sort of the competitiveness of the league football with Belvedere. But, you know, I, I, was, I was playing every day as a kid from a lot younger than that. But looking back now, it's always um, funny thing. We had, uh, it was 11 v 11, so it was 11 aside. Yeah. Um, on the big pitches. Yeah. But because there was no, we were, we were under age, we were thrown into an under 12 league. Right. So we played four years under 12. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was every common. year it got easier. So from getting beaten 7 or 8 nil, yeah. eventually winning at the, when we were the, the right age of 12 against other 12 year olds. But, you know, I enjoyed all, all my time at the Velvet It was very good people there. And um, the, the environment was set that you. You had a good time and, and, and you became a better footballer. Um, I am just going to go to a quick break because there's a little bit of uh, interference in that microphone. So I'm going to have a quick break and we'll be back straight after this. Local programs, local presenters, local news. Tune to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Give us a shout there, Martin. Hello, Roy. Loud and clear now. Okay, that's it. Other people in the yeah. station messing around. Okay, listen, you got to move to Manchester United. Yeah. How did that come about? When, when, when you were playing well, well for the Belvedere, the next step up was to get um, recognised at the, the Lancer level and the national level. So I became a, a, a national team player for the you know, 15s, and you'll always get the scouts there. So they, I got requested to go over to Manchester United with a, a fellow player and uh, we went over on a trial and I was brought back and then began the relationship I, I, it was probably even to be honest it was, it was younger I was going over to United probably at 13 years of age so um, and it was you were going over for your summer holidays and, and breaks like that and then it ended up being weekends and right. they were always monitoring you and, and, and offered a contract at 16 and who would have been Ron Atkinson back then would have been yeah, manager Ron, there and even before it was the, the, I remember on, on the the trial time and the the, the, the visits it was Dave Sexton, and, but Ron was Ron was the manager when I when I signed, and I just left. Um, I spent four years there, so it was um, Alex Ferguson had just come in when, oh. when when I was leaving. When you come in, so he wasn't kicking out all the Irish, was he? <laughs> no, again, I had a very short time. I think um, when he came in, I was actually on loan to Birmingham City, and I'd played a few games in their first team. And I went back and then I remember getting a call from, from him to ask me, was I interested in going to Leicester? Um, so it was probably only a couple of months that I was there um, w with him. You know? Okay, so with, with Ron Atkinson, mm. uh, 
did you have much interaction with him? What mm. was he like? How did he do his business? Um, as from Ron was sort of Atkinson was would have been probably again focused on the first team at that time. You know, it hadn't achieved the league title. It was yeah. you know the quest was on. Um, they were they were they were close to it. They were competitive. They they were being competitive in Europe. There's some very good players, but he just hadn't got over the line with, with, with Ron Atkinson. And um, but when I progressed from the U team into reserve football and then we were training with the first team and so forth you you would have that you played a few, i played a few first team friendlies and stuff like that so but bec- um he was again he was geared to the first 11 really and right, right. um he was again as people would say he was very flamboyant and a character and um you know he'd bring the U team back in the afternoon and he'd get involved in some of the five or six oh was it so you know he, he, he loved his football. Was he any use? Um, he probably was when he was a bit younger. <laughs> Somehow. But, um, like <laughs> us all, we all get old. Here so. we do. Uh, Leicester, how did that, uh, how did that, I suppose you, you were asked, yeah. they, they, they were interested in you, but uh, yeah. what, was there other offers or did you just? Um, when, um, when I was at Manchester, um, I'd played a lot, a lot of games for the reserves, even when I was over, but, from 1670, and I was, I was playing for the reserves at that age. And um, I say the only first team games were bits and pieces of friendlies, and I got frustrated with that. Um, that's why I went. Uh, that's why I say in, in the fourth year, uh, the loan deal came through, and I, I went to Birmingham. And uh, it was just then going back at the time. I said, you know, I didn't want to continue playing reserves, mm. so it was more or less. The eagerness to try and play the, the first team games, which were more meaningful. The good thing, I mean, the reserves you're playing, you're playing on um, Old Trafford, you're playing on Anfield, you know. Yeah, but you, yeah. they were in full crowds. I mean, you'd get a couple of thousand when you're playing Man City at Old Trafford. You're playing with good players, but it was probably the move to Leicester would have been to try and play the more meaningful stuff. And, yeah, and that's, yeah. That's why. So you would have got the initial buzz in those games, and then that faded quickly. It does, yeah. Once you're playing there quite regularly, you're sort of looking to step up to the next level. And it was hard because for the for the majority of the time that um, you know Ronald was managing matches, and they they still were um, trying to win leagues, and and, and even the, there was not much rotation um, in terms of say it was a league cup match, it would be the same eleven again. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when I left, to be fair. Uh, Atkinson was trying different. Uh, sorry, Ferguson was trying different things initially, and, and a lot of the younger players that I I played and left were actually getting chances right. um, under Ferguson. Um, but the reason why I left was to try and get the more meaningful stuff. Okay, how did Leicester go for you? It was okay. It was okay. It was. I remember my debut. We um, I went straight into the team. They were they were they were fighting to stay in the top division. We didn't manage to do it. Um, uh, the first game I played it was actually against West Ham and Liam Brady had come back the player was playing at West Ham at the time Yeah. so he would have been one of my you know heroes idols in, yeah in terms of playing the game and um, so um, they, the manager assigned me was Brian Hamilton and the following season David Plea came in and he was again a really attacking coach um, but then what happened in, in the second year as well I was you know, I was in and out of the team and I still wanted that regular football. Yeah, so yeah. I decided to take a step down and uh, and, and, and leave Leicester. And, uh, and you had a good spell at Scarborough, didn't you? We, we had a good, we, that we, was in a year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it was probably the time that every weekend, uh, you know, there was, there, was, there was that meaningful game, you know, the game mattered. And yeah. I was at the age where, you know, I wanted that sort of challenge that, you know, 
Yeah. Um, you're playing you're playing first team as opposed to squad player. Because I was looking at your, your stats for Scar, but it's 51 games, nine goals. So that was a busy season. It was, and we and we just missed out on the the, the promotion um, by a goal. I think um, we we got in the playoffs and we we just missed out. We also had um, we also knocked Chelsea out of the the League Cup, which was a, a famous game for them, and um, it allowed me to play regular stuff, and then got me back in the shop window for for a move. Um, back to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Who was who was managing then? Colin Middlesbrough. Yeah. It would have been Colin Todd. Oh, Colin Todd. Todd. Yes, yes. So again, probably a, 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 a short stay there. Eleven games. Uh, was it just? Was there any reason why it, it, it didn't flourish? Um, it didn't flourish. Um, it, I probably had two years left of a contract there, and I remember with Colin Todd, it was back to sort of in and out yeah. uh, of the team. And again, frustration sets in. Um, so Lenny Lawrence took over, and I went. I remember going to Lenny Lawrence and saying, "Listen, you know, I don't want to be travelling playing reserves." And and he said, "Well, you know, you've two years left. If you if you're staying, we will we'll ask for a fee." And I said, "No, I'd like to go back to to Ireland." Yeah. Um, I think part of that is because you're away from sixteen. I was, you know. I think it's a little bit too young and, and it's, every situation is different yeah. but I was always looking at opportunities to come back to Ireland for, for breaks and thing. Um you know um, whenever I could I'd come back um, so see family and so forth did, did you did you do your own deals like, yeah because we were talking we had yeah. Barry Prendival in a couple yeah. of weeks ago and he yeah. was saying the same thing he just went up and he yeah. did his own deal there was uh, no agents or that's that it. I would have been a little bit older than Barry right. so similar setup you're going in and Exactly right. You sort of you, you're asking for for whatever deal, or you happen to do it. I was, it was, it was again when you think about the agents now, and the thing about the agents that they, they, there is pros and cons to them. You know, you get yeah. good agents that will do good deals for you, and you'll also get agents that will look after themselves. And yeah, so um, could you do you think you could have done with an agent then, yeah, or were you happy with how you have dealt with it yourself? Um, there's many things that you look back and say, uh, maybe I could have made a different decision, and maybe I needed somebody to confide in and that that knew the ins and outs of the game and yeah. stuff like that. So I, I can see the benefits of having somebody, and if I was to do it again, of course I, I, would, I would probably look at things differently. Yeah, you uh, we went back to Porter Down for a good spell mm. and same Pats for a good spell. Yeah, combination three hundred games you played. You played for both of them, and uh, you were you, you scored a scored a few goals. Mm. There's a lot. There was a lot, particularly in, in, in the north at the time when I came back from England. You're still trying to to earn a living from the game if you can. Yeah, rather than so. There was more. It was a more. There was more money at that time. Oh, there was. There was more. There was more investment in the yeah, Irish league. Yeah. There was a number of players going up there. I know when I came back, I had to try and live in a house. I I I'd been married, so I was trying to buy a house. So um, the deals were better yeah. up to up to north, uh, if I'm honest. Um, substantially at the, at the time, it allowed you to to, to get a mortgage and yeah. stuff like that. So whereas the deals down south at that time went, but a few years later it, it turned upside down. Um, when I finished playing, there was a, there was a passage of time where. The deals were extra, extraordinary yeah. in the south. But yeah. at that time, it was it was the place that if you're going to come back to Ireland, um, just to even afford a mortgage, yeah. uh, you had to that go was the place to go to. Northern Irish football, we don't get to see as much Northern Irish yeah. football. It doesn't beyond the telly. What's what, what's the difference between 
the, the North football and, and, and Southern football. No, again, like, you know, at that time, they had got, you know, um, professional players in the league up there, case in point being ported down. I would go up, we'd have um, Paul Doolan, and, yeah. and, and we would travel together. At the same time, we'd have two or three lads flying in from Scotland um, that would fly in on a Friday. So they didn't train during the week? They trained in Scotland, um, but they played for Port of Down. So it was, again, it was um, it was the way it was. And they were, there was, you know, there was, there was other clubs up there that would have had sort of similar players um, at the time. And we would join in with the, 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 the lads from the north and, and play our games together. And like, there was a good group up there and we were successful in terms of getting into Europe and yeah. winning the league. And, the league, and, and right. there was a lot of cups as well that, that were there. And St. Pat's then took over uh, your, your more or less last spell mm. of your football. Um, is there any of those clubs there that you have a, a, an affinity to, that you, 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 your heart is, is, is stuck to? I think there's, there's always a piece of, of each of them, you know, you, you, there were, I mean, a lot, all of my football clubs, I've met very good people yeah. and therefore we've had good times and there's always a fondness of, of, of those times. So you'll always look back and say, you know, you, you always look out for the results and stuff and how they're going and how, and, you know, even Portland, for example, about six months ago, I was invited back up to a game and um, met people I hadn't seen for a while. So um, it's always, you know, there's, there's a bit of each that you, 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 you're fond of. Yeah, definitely. How would you sum up your playing career? Um, in ways, um, I've had, you know, very good experiences, very good times. And you always... You always look and say, could it could have been better? Possibly, could it be more fruitful? Possibly, could have been less fruitful? Yes, yeah. definitely. Because I've known a lot of players that who are very, very good, and I'm always saying, well, you should have done higher. You know, things didn't happen, and even worse still, there was a lot of players that no fault of their own. They got injured, they retired, um, and you know, you think of those things. You think the experience that I've had and the the. Um, it's hard to put a price on that, you know. Yeah, uh, coaching and managing mm. then came into your yep. into your career. Then, um, coaching. Do you get a, a, a buzz out of coaching? Yeah, I think you do. I think uh, even when I was playing, to be honest, with you, I'd have been thinking about not about the game and how it's played, and could there be more football in the games? And you know, going back to my time, um, one of the things I used to get frustrated with was. I was always regarded as, as a wild player where I probably, uh, when, I, when I went across to England, for example, for the years that I was across there, everybody played 4-4-2. Yeah. You played 4-4-2 v 4-4-2. Now there's a lot more uh, variations in the game and um, I like that and also the fact um, that I think the game nowadays more so than the time I was playing the UK is more technical game, which I also think is good. Yeah. So I'd be asking those questions saying, why can't we have more football being played and yeah. can the game be better and can I enjoy it even more? Just on that, our technical ability is always mm. under scrutiny here yeah. in Ireland. Uh, why is it that it's, why is it that we're deemed to have, because I look at a lot of the players yeah. who are technically high standard but it doesn't transfer then going into the, the professional game. Obviously, then it's, they're playing against higher talent and, yeah. you know, what have you. But why do you think it has never sort of... Why have we never produced those type of players? For me, we, we don't create the environment for them, Okay, basically. So the environment is everything. How, how, how a boy comes into a club, 
and is allowed to progress and develop is a you know it's a big area yeah. and if you've got a culture that tells a kid at, at a young age get rid of the ball yeah. kick it away get it out of there then the environment will create that type of player if you've got an environment where it's, it's like the boy is relaxed he's trying things he develops more skill um, that's you know it's, it's, it's hard to say in a nutshell but it's along the lines of that I don't think as a country we, we do enough for the, for the game of football do we, do we, do we coach enough technical skills well the, the skills, skills, skills skills acquisition or a boy becoming more skillful you know it's it does he's got he's got to practice himself yeah. but again as I said to whatever environment that he comes involved with in the coach the coach has got a structure the setup and and also the games because what happens is in the games they might do something in training but when it comes to the game it's all about the result and the first question is always uh, did you win today as opposed to what did you practice today yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so as I said it does come back to the environment and I think in other countries they, 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 they look at the player and they look at the game and they look at um, the performance more so than than, than we and do results than we, yeah. results it's a big thing environment it's a big thing uh, so you've been with St. Pat's you've been assistant there twice you've been with UCD as an assistant and a manager a good spell with uh, as a manager what are your memories of uh, UCD yeah, UCD was a, a setup that I got involved in um, when, when Pete Mann asked me to come in and help as a, as a coach. And the beauty about that setup was you had young, eager players who wanted to progress yeah. and there was a buy-in for them. And so the information that I was giving out to them, I think, was well received. And right. a lot of good players that were there have progressed to the highest level in Ireland and some have gone to UK. And the setup is a really good setup. It's a model that is very good for for the young player in Ireland that he can go and play his football and also get a qualification in terms of his education, education. Yeah. and you know it's a twin track approach that I would definitely recommend um, yeah. to anybody that's that's setting out on a professional career you know you can you can you can want to be the best you can practice as the best but also have a have a plan B as I said I've seen too many players that should have made it and didn't make it and um, needed to find a plan B. And was there, I suppose there was a, 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 a good turn of players, so players wouldn't be hanging around too long and there'd be new players coming in on a constant basis. Is that what, what you found in, in in, where, in, in, with UCD? Like No, I think when UCD you went well, there was a lot of, there was a, there was a good, um, in terms of scholarship, you know, if a boy gets a scholarship, he's, he's getting a scholarship nearly for three years. So yeah. You could be working with that player for three years. It okay. still allowed you, at the time I was there, and when Pete was there, you were, you were allowed to bring outsiders in, but the cost, the, uh, it was a case of, uh, they would be low-cost players in terms of most of the money. Funding would be going into um, the scholarships, particularly when I took over manager, they, they reviewed it, and um, but they were able to pay outside players that would supplement the the scholarship players that they had. So was there must, much was there much or any pressure on you to uh I'm not say yeah. perform but you know to, to win things because yeah. of the, the, the way the, the nature of the yeah. I was asked once somebody asked me a question is UCD the worst job or the best job yeah. in management? And um again you could talk about that and, and, and look at it from both points of view. From a coaching point of view it was there is a, uh, and they were always known as giving their managers and coaches a, a length of time. Yeah. Um, so you had that sort of freedom. The, the, also, in terms of the spectators, you weren't getting barracked by because there wasn't too it many. Wasn't too many. Yeah. They were barracked. Yeah. 
and it allowed you to put your stamp on things. So it was a good role for, for a young coach or a young manager to go in, in and, you know, have that sort of, you know, environment there from a coaching point of view. And the lads were all great. The lads all wanted to, um, to do their best. But then from a frustrating point of view is we had a group of players and we go to the names and say, Greg Bulger, Ronan Finn, Robbie Benson, mm. to me, Dave McMillan, as a few, and, and, was, and, was, and those others there as well, um, uh, more so. But when you had a nucleus of those young players, you always felt if you kept them together and added a couple of quality senior players that eventually you'd be playing in Europe. Yeah. Because those boys are playing in Europe. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that, was, that was my thoughts back then. But it gets to an age where they come out of the scholarship and the UCD have to offer them contracts. They can't match the contracts of Sligo. Yeah. And they end up going off. So from their point of view, it was a good base to start off. From, UC, from a manager's point of view, you're losing very good players. Yeah. And you're having to go back down. And, and restart again. Restart again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you had a successful time there, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, I mean, we, you, we you got promoted. You kept them up for... That's what I'm saying. We got, very, we got, got promoted. We, we got promoted in our first season that was manager against um, Sport and Fingal had been just turned as a professional right. outfit and they were, they gobbled the ball all the players the senior players and we actually finished top of that league yeah. and then for the next for the, for the rest of the time I was in charge you see we managed to stay up yeah. so we also put a big the, the, as, as well as those facts I think it Probably the most pleasing thing, for, one of the most pleasing things is to see how players that we have have been able oh, right. to use the platform and moved on to bigger and better things as well. And for you, when you look back at that time, that's probably the best you could have done. Well, as I said to you, it was only going to go so far mm. because you were never, you needed, you, you were losing some players, you were losing the best young players eventually, and you weren't able to attract the senior player that would help yeah. uh, to, you know, to bring you to that level of European qualification. Yeah. So. Um, it's always it's city. Is it the best? Is it the worst gig? It has its benefits. It also has its downsides. Yeah. Limerick, you went to Limerick. What, what kind of? Because I, I actually, this is nearly a personal question for me. What type of club is Limerick? What, how do they do, do they appreciate their football in Limerick? Well, uh, very much so. I mean, uh, you got to look back at the, at the, all the histories of all the clubs. Mm. You know, it, it's been a long time. You know, I've I played for Pats and I played for Portadown and they've won leagues and they played in Europe. Since I came back from Ireland, I'd never known Limerick to win a league or, or play in Europe. They'd um, they 20 plus years in the first division. And when I took over, they managed to be just back in the Premier for a, a short time. Yeah. And that was mainly due to the changeover of the manager, the chairman getting involved, Paul Sullivan, yeah. who, who really tried to develop the club there. And um, when I came in, as I said, to do they were Premier side, and I, st I always said it about anywhere like Limerick, and you even seen it at Waterford now, that those one club cities, one club towns, there is no reason why they can't be forced in in the domestic game yeah. if they get the right people involved, yeah. and because the catchment area is there, the people will come out for meaningful games. Okay. When we were there, we'd we had a couple of games where. Uh, with 5,000 crowds which showed you that when, when, when the event was on that they would recognise that so um, in answer to your question the, the, you know they, 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 I feel they want success down there and I think that you know but it's, it's getting probably more people to help the club uh, to bring it to that level yeah because I, I played there about oh, just over 20 years ago yeah. and 
it was just a pitch really yeah, you know well, there, there was there was nothing else to it there was no support there was there was nothing so I haven't seen it since it's transformed apart yeah. from on television now you know yeah. that but I just don't get the whole vibe around it because I haven't been down there but yeah. that's a that's a good insight into it now yeah. uh, so managing was you you were, you were doing well with Limerick so how how did it all end why did it all end was, again um, we had uh, a few things that happened um, when I took over first we managed a big climb up the table and finishing fifth or sixth and but then while I was planning for the next season the budget the budget was cut and we ended up going the next season with a very reduced budget and we ended up playing in another pitch um, and things didn't go right that season we we almost stayed up we got relegated and the following season we then got the budget back up again and we managed to win the league convincingly to get back promoted where yeah. we wanted to be and then that season had just started and it was a competitive like it is now a competitive league and we just had a difference of opinions and there was a mutual um understanding that they would go their way i would go my way and you know we're going to too great detail yeah um i felt it was it, it wasn't right um for me uh, the environment is important yeah, yeah yeah and you have to be um 100 there you know you have to be happy you have to be i think so for both but we had listened there was different points of view we had good discussions a couple of meetings and as i said yeah you could see that um, for me it was best to um to pastures and look for pastures new um over the years you so you started your managerial career in 2003 what has changed in those 15 years what's different uh, to managing now to managing um, and again I think it's management probably again when you're at a professional level maybe in terms of expectations in the professional game it never changes it's results based business from yeah. most, most clubs if you're not getting the results um, the manager doesn't seem to stay stay too long you know so it can be a difficult role management that way um, and everybody wants success and in the, in the in the modern world, it's you know um, it's instant gratification that seems to be wanted. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, it's the manager said he takes a fall when he when he needs more time. Yeah. So it's okay. difficult for managers. Even you can see in the in the in the, in the major leagues, and you see it in the leagues here. As soon as player teams are not doing as well as people think, yeah. managers fault. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna let you get a sip of water. I'm gonna take a quick break. Okay. You're listening to Liffey Sound. On 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff. We have Martin Russell in with us. Martin, the under 13, 15, 17, 19 league, uh, good or bad? Oh, it has to be good. It's, um, as, you know, I did sit on the technical development plan discussing these things. Yeah. And a couple of main things were, were, were glaring in terms of the structure of allowing the best young players against playing against the best young players. Yeah wasn't right so for example an under 13 kid in Limerick those three leagues in Limerick so if you were a good player you'd be playing in one league I'd be playing in another league yeah we wouldn't be playing against each other yeah yeah so yeah. again we talked about the start of the, the interview about the environment to challenge our good young players um, the structure went right so that's part of, of a restructuring that gets the best playing against the best yeah so I'd see it being positive it, it has put an onus on the clubs to get their act together because the professional clubs have, have left it to the schoolboy clubs to develop players 
in other countries is the other way around. Yeah. The professional clubs develop the players. So it's put an onus on the clubs to do it. That's put a cost on the clubs to do it. So as I said to you, we, when, it, when you talk about investing in the game, do we do enough investment in the game? No. Um, for me, it's, it's the best game, the greatest game in the world. Yeah. But other, other countries invest more in it. Yeah. And if, if you look at the, 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 the time and effort that's put into it now, now these clubs probably have a bit more of a feel of a professional club where before it was just had their first team out and can we survive now that it's as you said you have a 13 yeah. 15 17 19 you're looking at uh, i suppose a bigger a bigger uh, yeah. challenge for as the club it's, it's done all over the rest of the world where a club can take a boy from an early age all the way through there's a pathway all the way through yeah. it was very much fragmented in Ireland and um, we're still trying to you say establish that setup of having a club that works all the way through and and and, and that gives the benefits to the young players. Um, so now it's good to see it starting. But they're, they're only working from under thirteen. So really, they're, they're, these t- these players are being developed f- from could be even from six years of age up to twelve or thirteen, and then they're going hmm. to the League of Ireland team. Yeah. So. Should there be some sort of deal, compensation or something for the, for the, the, the Belvedere's, yeah. the, the Lucans and all yes. who develop the players at this age? Oh, yeah. It's I a mean, crucial age. That was, I mean, that was always the big sticking point, the compensation issue um, of the product of the kid who benefits. If he, if he, if he yeah, exactly. performed and, I, and, and went I, on. And it's a, it's a fair point. And I think that is a compensation, there is compensation, compensation rules in place. Okay. So it's not, and, and also what's been, you know, um, what's been asked is that the professional clubs, although they're not taking them in at younger than thirteen, they are getting into partnerships with yeah. other with, with with the school by clubs. And as long as again for me, as long as it's about the player, yeah. and there is that culture created that a player from an early age can allow to be allowed to be the best he can be. Yeah. And as I said to you, it's 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 there for him. Yeah. And that's, that's what matters. Is there, if when you look at the League of Ireland, is there anything that you would like to change? Oh, there's probably loads, but um, there's loads. You know, just in a nutshell, I just wanted to, to grow, be more professional. To um, You look what, f- ultimately, from a League of Ireland, anybody involved in the League of Ireland, you always want to try and push it to the next level. So an example being Dundalk, you know, Dundalk, and I know Stephen Kenny's ambitious. Uh, for example, that wants to when he goes into Europe, he wants to win in Europe, and yeah. I want to see Irish teams win in Europe. Yeah. And the same way we we cheered on our national team when we get into the finals of the Europeans or the World Cups, that we want to see them do as well as they can. Yeah. And that's what it is for me to see, you know, our Irish clubs become more respected on the on the world stage. And um, but we'll only do that. If we invest in the game, it's not going to happen. If if we just wish it, yeah, um, we need people, and the clubs uh, need a helping hand. They, too. Of course, they do, and and and, and it's more. There's, uh, there's a lot, in all the clubs, in all the clubs in Ireland, whether it's professional um, or whether it's amateur schoolboy, there's a hell of a lot of good volunteers and people that mm. love the game and you know also wanted to progress as as much as they can. But unless we get the main Lead, leaders, decision makers on a political level that care about the game, yeah. sitting around the table and say, "Listen, how can we how can we help the clubs?" Yeah. We don't have that. We, we I do. I do feel it's 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 
the money men who need to step up onto well, the plate they, because we have when Dundalk were on their run I think it was a national thing it wasn't just a Dundalk thing everyone in the country was behind them looking for them hoping for them to progress in the, in, in the, especially well, in the Europa League well, at that you, time you think about the Dundalk um, journey you're right I mean it, it grabs the country's imagination and you want to see Dundalk play against Manchester or mm. I mean we were fortunate at we, we and I was fortunate at, at, at Porter Down that those occasions that we played I remember Porter Down our first game in Europe the following year was against the champions of the uh, Red Star Belgrade yeah. at the time they won the European That's Cup right. and to play against them was to have that opportunity and the same against Pats we played against Celtic um, and like Dundalk have done against established sides in Europe brought respectability to anybody involved in the game and performed that well, this, was the this big is what thing. you want but the fear is that as as we're standing still everybody's continued to invest in the game yeah and you know it's even even things of whether it be the the dog situation or not qualifying for a world cup who for example who's going to who's going to be responsible for developing yeah. those skillful players you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know, are they just going to happen? Yeah. Or we have to make sure that we put the best structures in place that you know, we're, we're more likely to be successful. It's always going to be tough. People will say, will point out that Ireland is a, you know, it's a Gaelic um, country, it's a rugby country, and football is a social... It's a positive though, isn't that? Because it's multi-sports, you yeah. get people who have multi-sports, it surely helps their yeah. dynamics. It of, does, of I mean, and, and, and in other countries like, you know, in other countries like America, there's many, many different games as well. But you see the, the way the MLS is flourishing now, you know, their, their national team has come on. Yeah. They, again, they'll have ups and downs, but I think they're trying to continue to invest in the game over there yeah. to make it as best it can be I would question you know how, what, what, what we're going to do here I, the, just the worrying trend for me is that I have seen where Sligo Rovers have had their little two year period mm. Dundalk have had it you know, they've had a bit longer than that maybe Shamrock Rovers would have a little t- burst maybe Pats it always seems to go from one club to another now it's, it, there's a little bit more it's a little bit more stable now than Dock, but that's purely because of the investment, I think. So I think it is the investment side that is... Investment will give you a chance, and then you have to, you have to manage that investment. Yeah, and yeah, you've got yeah, to give yeah, a lot yeah. of credit to, to Stephen, for example, on, on the football and the things, what he's done with Dundalk. But any club that's in the professional game in Ireland, you need, you need investment to have a chance. And even like the 10-team league, it's such a competitive league this year. And, you know, you point out Waterford, for example, where, like, situation... Limerick that they've come up this year and they've put investment in yeah. and they're talking about qualification for Europe so the beauty about it is that if you do put money into Ireland Irish football and Irish clubs for a relatively small investment compared to say the English Championship where they, okay they're probably trying to get in the Premier League for the big money but or any other leagues around Europe you know you've got three tickets every year for European qualification yeah. and Dundalk managed to, to do well the last time it's not necessarily going to happen again and again unless um, you give yourself the best chance uh, is there anything in football you would change no I think it's gone I, I think it's becoming more I say for me it's becoming more entertaining game there's, there's been real changes that's allowed that to happen I think pitches and stuff like that in, in, throughout the world but again when you, when you come back to Ireland which is where I'm living um, I would I would like everything I'd like the product to keep on advancing I would like yeah. the stadium to keep on advancing I'd like the game to be the best it can be yeah. so we have a lot of changes to make to do that. Um, we probably need a, a big re... Uh, I, I remember uh, when the issue in Saipan 
was um, came to the fore, and the document came out, and the one word that when they, when they were referring to the um, the league, the domestic league, as improvement was, was radical change, radical radical right, change. Yeah. It's not just tweaking fixtures here, tweaking fixtures there, going from ten to twelve or twelve. Yeah. It's 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 radical, and we need a big think tank to say, listen, how can we give this league the best chance An to, opportunity, to do it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Plastic pitches. Brian Kerr isn't happy with them. Yeah. He doesn't like them. How do you feel about them? They got they've got better. Mm. Um, I would rather have uh, a plastic, a good plastic pitch than a bad grass, grass pitch. pitch. Yeah. And you know, I've been in even you know, even recent times, I've I've been going to grounds and for me, there's a difference between a pitch and a field. Yeah. You know, anybody can have a field. Yeah. But but a pitch is a is a different thing altogether. It's yeah. on a different level. And yeah, it's a looked after. But what you'll find with clubs. Even in the professional league, we haven't got money to do this. We haven't got money to do that. Yeah. We haven't got money to look after the pitch. Yeah. So then you end up having a field. Yeah. And I've been at a few fields in, in the in the Irish game as well. Yeah. So it might be short term. It might work for us. Yeah, I think it's it's you can look at it. The have got better. Yeah. I don't see it. the bounce I mean, isn't as unnatural as they used to be. No, it's not. I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tell you what. The, the the one funny one is when they first came out. I was actually playing for Scarborough and Oldham had a pitch hockey and pitch it was like the hockey pitch it was like the carpet here beneath, beneath yeah, um, yeah. and we'd just beaten the funny thing was we'd be just beaten Chelsea so we'd beaten Chelsea we'd knocked them out on TV out of the hat we were playing Oldham but it's Oldham away right and Oldham had beaten everybody on this pitch because they'd know how to play it and, yeah, yeah. and we hadn't played on the, on the pitch so we turned up at Oldham and lo and behold Got we it. were a lower league team I think it was 6 7 nil. Yeah. And it was, it, it you, you just couldn't get used to this pitch on, on, on going there one day. Yeah. And we hadn't, as I said, yeah, we were a lesser quality t- side than them. They were a good side. Dennis Ayer weren't playing for them, John Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. They were lads that went on the bigger things. But, you know, it just shows you the highs and lows of football. Like you yeah. start off beating Chelsea, and the next time you're getting slapped. Um, yeah, seven, it's a wake seven. up car. But the pitch was the pitch was just ball flew away on it. Um, they've come a long way since then, yeah. and they've got better. And yeah. on on the good ones, yeah, I don't see much much of a problem on the good ones. Okay, listen, just about finishing up. But what's the biggest mistake, just on a coaching role? What's the biggest mistake you see the coaches make, maybe even at underage levels in in their coaching sessions? Um, just no, just. Or is there anything that you I, see that people, I think people are doing? I think again, when I relate coaches to players, I've never seen the perfect player. Yeah, I've never seen the perfect coach. I think we're all, if we're all honest, we can all get better as coaches. Yeah, um, we can all keep on learning. There has to be that growth mindset and coaches. You know, you don't know it all. You may have experienced things and things keep on evolving. But it always comes back to you know what you want to get. What you want to get from. The group that you're in charge with do you really want to develop the boy come from that aspect it's all about the player then how he's going to develop um and, and give that um thought process to the development um particularly at the younger level um the coach needs to, to see that picture the big picture and, and work from there when you look at yourself as a manager coach do you see or have you obviously you've taken stuff from everyone that you've mm. been in with yeah. football do you see a, a part of you that's very similar to any sort of a manager or coach that no you you're right when you say that there's definitely parts of each of the people that I've mm. played under that I've said you know what that's that's inspiring that's I like that yeah um, and I've played from you know I always say from one extreme to the other I mean I think from a professional sense David Pleak for example would want to play the most 
creative attacking type of game yeah whereas when i played a couple of times in the irish under jack charlton yeah it was more pragmatic the result yeah. was important there were certain things that players were allowed to do or couldn't do and the ball had to go in a certain direction yeah. and stuff like that so I, and i've played all day they would be a polar opposites and in between there would be a of a, a, a mixture yeah. of different managers so i've gained a lot of experience and i said yeah it comes back again on, on making your own philosophy seeing what way you want things to go and yeah but always related to when, when i'm coaching young players i always one of the key things is i try the best i can allow them to be the best they can be right so i don't really um you know i wouldn't tell for example give you an example at ucd when when i went in there the young, the young defenders came to the club they were used to probably kicking the ball forward yeah and i would encourage them to come out of the back with the yeah. ball um, because again it's the way the game is going that if they wanted to get to the next level they would be the they man would have to do they it. would have to do it so um that that type of stuff so i, I would encourage the lads to be the best they can be i think right um last question is if you and i asked this to barry prendival and i think he thought i was looking for uh his his his, his I would say his philosophy mm. and, and looking for insights for Luke and United or something mm. like that but when you start off with a, a club or mm. a team what is the first thing is there one thing that you say listen I'm looking at this I'm going, I need to address this straight away or is it just a whole host of things I think, yeah it's more, it's more than just one thing you, you, you want to first you want to work with good people mm. whether it be uh, the players that you're instructing the other people in the club that you're all on the same page yeah and then once you once you once you have that and particularly going back to players you want players to be receptive you yeah. want players to 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 buy into your message to you know to to, to go forward together and, and, and be the best you can be so they've got to be they've got to be committed and stuff like that and then then you begin to work from there if you get commitment from them then you you can do things um so there would be a whole range of things that you when you go into a club you'd have to work at from a coaching point of view you, you do hear managers go in and they will say the first thing I try and do is tighten it up at the back yeah is that something that you would look at address is it is it work from the back forward or probably you say work I mean in terms of conceding goals I think it's 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 not it's it's a it's a team effort so you know i would stress that you know we can see goals as a team yeah and, and we and we and we play football as a team so it's not just um but i know there are coaches i mean to me for me to be honest if you said would you rather win a game one nil or five four i'd probably say five four right and okay i don't know whether that, that, that leads you to ways you know gives you an insight into the way I, I do think i don't like conceding goals but i do like attack and play and yeah. i think getting the balance because when you're attacking if you're a good attacking side you have to be expansive you yeah. have to open up you can't you can't just have one player joining you've got to look to get overloads but equally you have to get the overloads when you're defending yeah and to get the balance and i mean you would see for example the little things that barcelona do as soon as they lose a the ball then the attacker away. will try and get it back straight away and they try and con they try and control the game with yeah. the ball and try and control the game without the ball so it's the control of the game and how you do and how you structure your team um, to do that and give you the best chance. You can still play very well in games, and I've had games where we've dominated and we've lost. But in terms of um, getting control of the game with the ball, getting control of the game without the ball is important. Yeah. I like this the last question. Who's yeah. been your biggest influence in football? Oh, there's, uh, there's so many. There's difference. There's so many. I mean, as, as a player, as I said, you know, I'd, I'd looked at games and um, I'd seen Liam Brady play for Ireland and I says, 
that, that fella could play anywhere you know in the yeah. world and he was an Irish player that said you could have gone into any team and I, I would have I would have modelled myself on that sort of level tried to play that type of football um, from a coaching point of view I've, I've picked up from different coaches from Jack through to David Pleat and all in between um, I've picked up so much from different and um, you know so but again you know you just you just uh, try and be who you can be and um, you know, I always find to be honest with you even now I, when I watch a game and you sort of there's been a couple of games when you watch the likes of Barcelona play now uh, in recent years and how they play yeah. it, it inspires you when you see when you see football played at a really good level I would think I would equate it to probably you know an art form when it's done at a really yeah. good level so I, I get my inspiration from watching good football too good listen it's been an absolute pleasure having you in uh, we may have you again sometimes whether it's on the phone or something like yeah. that we might get you no, back in again yeah, no it's good uh, but no it's been an absolute pleasure thanks, thanks for coming thanks in thanks right. talk, talk to you again okay